Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details week we've been told that the public inquiry into the foreign interference situation um is close but to be honest no one really seems to know exactly what that means what does close mean like how close um we've been told it's proven pretty difficult to find someone interested in the job of running that inquiry apparently it's been offered to a handful of people and they've all said no um the liberals have put forward a list of a bunch more names all, all the parties have to submit names but regardless um, we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't know how long that's going to take, but we were told by the end of the summer. It's been two months already. So I, in the meantime, what is China up to? Well, in the Arctic, they haven't slowed down even a little bit. Uh, their work in the north continues, and um, our next guest is raising some alarm bells about what's happening there. Dr. Ron Huber, uh, Rob Hubert is an associate professor who specializes in defense policy at the University of Calgary. Uh, Dr. Hubert, thanks for joining us. Always appreciate your time. Always my pleasure to be on. So, um, you know, China's work in the North continues, I say, because they've been at it for a while, right? We've talked about this before. They've been working on different things in the Arctic, well, for many years, in fact, right? Well, they even have one of their icebreakers right up at the North Pole right now, as we speak. Um, they've never, I mean, we, we get the first indications that they're going to be very active in the Arctic as early as 1999. It probably even predated that date, and they, they basically haven't stopped since that time. And in that time, have we determined what this means? Because there are some people who say, well, yeah, of course, but, you know, it's good. Like, it, 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 is there a consensus as to whether it's benign what they're doing, or, or are we pretty much saying at this point, okay, we got to be careful with what they're up to? It really depends almost. Uh, you could almost make a point as a gestalt of what you think of China. If you think of China as a progressive important member of the international community you're not going to have too much of a problem with some of the some of the efforts that they're doing particularly when it comes to the scientific side of their activities on the other hand if you are more distrustful of what the chinese intentions are overall as a state and then you start thinking about many of the military applications of what they're doing then you become much more concerned and so therefore you're absolutely right. Within within the community of, of scholars and observers who pay attention to this, there are sharp divides in terms yeah. of how we evaluate China. But recently, there we can see that there's some concerning developments, right? Uh, listening devices in the PC wrote for Globe and Mail. You talk about the listening devices and what we've learned about those recently. Tell us what those are. Well, what the Chinese are saying is that they're using it as, as means of having surveillance of underwater sounds in the Arctic. And if, if you put it in a scientific context, there is a need to understand sound. The problem is that same technology can be utilized to listen for submarines, to listen for other activity underneath the ice cover. And, and that tends to have very strategic or, orientations. And the Chinese have been quite open about talking about the manner in which they're developing it. But then you have to put it into the context, of course, of the last year, of course, we had uh, the Chinese high-altitude balloons. We had their, so, their buoys all of a sudden showing up in our Arctic waters. And so it suggests quite strongly that there's uh, the, the public stuff that they're talking about is only 
a limited amount that in terms of what they are actually doing in terms of understanding, listening, and having surveillance capability of the entire Arctic region. And then they also have submersibles, right, that we know will... So not only can they listen and, you know, track what's happening, they can actually deploy with these submersibles, correct? Well, this is a scary part about it, is that the Chinese, once again, have been open. They said they're building their third icebreaker, and when they told us they were building their second one, they did it within exactly the time period that they said that they were going to do it, which, of course, is very different from Canada. Uh, but now they're saying that they'll have a third icebreaker or ice platform. There's a little bit of question in terms of exactly what it is. But what's crystal clear is they said they're going to have these deep diving submersibles, which means they say they're going to do it for science, but it also gives them the means of being able to do activities, presumably, such as listening into undersea cables for communications, uh, possibly in the future being able to attack those cables. And, and one can only start to think of other alternative means that those submersibles can actually utilize. The critical part is that we have no means in Canada of detecting or responding to that. This is the thing. I mean, we're completely being left in the dark here. We're, we're, we're getting so far behind what China is up to at this point. We're, we're, we're in danger of becoming irrelevant, correct? Well, irrelevant. And, and, and that, of course, raises critical problems with our relationships with the Americans. And the Americans, you know, we always have this ongoing issue about the status of the Northwest Passage. But the reality is, since the end of the Cold War, we've had very close cooperations with the Americans, with the exceptions of, of that particular issue. The problem is, is that the reason why we've had close relationships is because we've been able to work together. Uh, if the Americans start thinking that we simply are not taking it serious or are, are not able to respond to what they will see as a critical threat to their security, they will take actions to ensure their security. And we may not like where that goes. What do you mean by that? What's, what are the possibilities that you see there in terms of, I mean, are, they would sort of become the, the force, they would just ignore us? Is that what you're thinking? We've been able to work out agreements with the Northwest Passage. We have a 1988 agreement that has worked out very well where the Americans can say we still, we still want to have freedom of navigation, but we're not going to push the Canadians. And it's worked out very well. We've had close cooperations, of course, with NORAD, uh, which protects our aerospace. And, and, and once yeah. again, we tend to do it on the cheap. We've been able to communicate on a whole host of scientific, environmental, whole bunch of issues. Now, if we turn around and we start having Americans, and particularly if you get some of the more extreme voices, you get some of the Republicans that are saying Canada doesn't do enough to begin with, then, of course, that changes the political tenure of cooperation. And then you also raise the possibility that the Americans will start saying, well, if the Canadians won't look after their north, we'll have to do it for them. And, and what that means, of course, is never clear whenever the Americans are saying it. But you can you, you can well imagine scenarios where it will be clear violations of our Arctic sovereignty uh, if the Americans think they have to. And so it's imperative upon us to make sure that the Americans understand that we appreciate the threat and will do our share because we don't want them doing our share for them. Is that happening, uh, Doctor? We've talked about this before. The Arctic, uh, the situation around the Arctic with Russia and China, uh, we, we've talked about this before. Does it seem like Canada has gotten the message and put the proper emphasis and is doing the proper things to, to try and address some of the problems you've raised? 
Well, here's the troubling thing. It looked like we were making the right uh, movement in terms of NORA, at least on the aerospace. And it looked like the former defense minister understood what was necessary, both in terms of statements and in terms of what seemingly were expenditures that were being made. But, you know, here we have a situation that as soon as we seem to be getting a defense minister that seemed to be understanding it, seemed to be making the necessary new moves for NORAD modernization, all of a sudden she's moved out into a position where now she's telling everybody, you got to cut $14 billion. And, and you know, one has to think that, well, that's going to be directed against many of the inroads that she actually pioneered when she was Minister of Defense. And so, once again, uh, it, you know, since it's so hard to read what, what the government is, in fact, intending to do, one hopes that, at least on the NORAD, because that becomes a very important part of our messaging to the Americans, where it's sort of like, nah, don't worry, we will take care of this. Um, if that gets undermined, that's problematic. And then you throw in the possibility of what is happening within the greater American political movement. We know Trump is not a fan of Canada, and one can imagine what happens if he becomes the front runner for the Republicans, which he seems to be doing. All of that is to say Canada needs to ensure that it is not seen as just basically being a free rider. And finding out the stuff of what the Chinese are doing, let alone what the Russians are doing, means we need to keep the, the, the foot on the pedal on improving our Arctic security capabilities. Now, there's another problem. We've just, we're having a major crisis in terms of the forest fires. We need to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our military is going full out on being able to respond to that. Ultimately means we've got a huge problem that is developing in terms of any means of understanding Arctic security. And we can't let, we can't stop doing one part because we have to respond to the other. We have to do it all. And I don't know how this government is going to be able to do that. Yeah, Doctor, and, and, and the other thing is none of this is new. We, we've talked about all of those issues you've raised before. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for being here today. I do appreciate it.